0: i Good morning, everyone! So glad you could join together around your screens to worship the Lord together this morning, as Laurel Glen Bible Church. My name is Andy Middlecoff. I have the huge privilege of being one of the pastors with this wonderful church. If you are a guest with us, we're so glad that you're watching this and kind of checking us out. Uh, we'd love to hear from you to know that you were participating in this and find out ways that we can serve you and help you in any way. Uh, if you could please text this number to us, to me, 661-218-1090. And then just write the word welcome. Once you text that, you'll receive a text back to yourself. And that way we can begin to interact with you. So please do that. And I want to just give a special thanks to all of you who participated in Caring for Castle, the ministry where we were to fill 50 boxes of food to give them to the families in need at Castle School. And the wonderful news is that We got all 50 boxes filled, and we're able to give them to 50 families that are a part of Castle School near our church. And as a result, we're able to feed 200 people. So we praise the Lord for your participation, and we're thankful for it. Let's worship the Lord together this morning.
1: Together, other. There is no one. There is no one that is like you. And so, God, as we sing to you, as we worship you, as we lift our hearts and our voices to you, God, may you be lifted high on our praises. May you be lifted high in our homes and in our community and in your world. Oh, God, be glorified as we sing of your holiness and as we worship you now.
2: Good morning, church. Our scripture reading for the day is Romans 13, 1 through 8. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them taxes to whom taxes are owed revenue to whom revenue is owed respect to whom respect is owed honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one, anything except to love each other for the one who, who loves another has fulfilled the law.
3: Concrete and cranes is our VBS theme this year. And we're all pretty excited about having construction as the focus. While we will be learning about Jesus as our firm foundation and how we can build upon that foundation, we will not be on the LBC campus. Instead, we will be providing everything you will need to create a great learning experience in your homes during the week of June 22nd through 26th. Look for more VBS information this week. And today, Pastor Eric will be teaching from Romans chapter 13. This is an important passage of Scripture, especially for this moment in history. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians living in Rome at the time. He's reminding them to respect, obey, and honor the governing authorities because they have been put in place by him and they are there to serve his purposes. It is likely we will not always agree with governments and authorities, but we need to remember that God is sovereign, which means he is an ultimate boss and he is in control. And because he is sovereign, he works through imperfect authorities and governments to achieve his plans and will. God is our ultimate authority, and we can trust that his authority has a purpose, it's for our good, and it is perfect. So parents, this is a great opportunity to to engage your children in a discussion on this topic. Remember to check out the Family Worship Guide for more information, and continue that conversation after the sermon and during the week. Enjoy the sermon and have a great week.
4: Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Good morning, everyone. Hey, I want to welcome you to LVC. My name is Pastor Eric, and it is weird to be preaching in here with nobody. Um, it is really sad, and I can't wait for the day that we're all gathered together, even if it's with masks six feet apart, in uh, with gloves and shields and everything. I just want to see faces. I want to see... Uh, the joy of the Lord in the face of his people and just please know we're working hard that at the first opportunity we feel we're allowed to to go there that we are making preparations to do that in a loving kind and gracious way to make sure you guys know we really care about you and we are taking this very serious Um, And we don't want to rush, but we also don't want to delay. And so we're prayerfully walking through that, ordering supplies and making plans. And we just ask that you would pray for our leadership as we process um, how best to do that. And uh, we're just so thankful for our church engagement, the way you've uh, responded and listened and interacted. It's been really cool to see uh, people I'm not used to seeing, and that's one of the benefits of being online, is you have so much access. And we also just want to praise God that we have people um, from all around the world watching and hearing God's word be preached And just want to thank our staff for the way they've worked so hard to consistently give God's Word um, from the children, the junior high, high school, young adult, all the way up uh, to the adults. So thankful for their leadership in that way. Um, Also, want to just say praise God that our giving has gone well. We want to continue that so that we can love and help the people who are in need. Um, If you're able to give, we ask that you continue to. You can do that through going online, going to the app, or uh, sending a check by mail. And if you're not able to give, that's okay. And if you're hurting, please contact us. We want to help you and and walk through that with you. And so uh, with all of that said, we are taking a transitional sermon from... Living in a quarantine world, to songs from the heart, to address what God says uh, about the government. I've personally not had a week this hard in a long time as I've wrestled through uh, how do you look at a number and get two completely different realities? How do you look at a number and get two different conclusions? and say that both positions are right. Um, as a guy who is more black and white and deals in absolutes, it's very hard to, to swim in that world, if you will, and not feel like you're drowning. And so that's why I need to be very clear uh, that I am not an economist. I am not a politician. I am a pastor. And for that purpose this morning, I'm not going to quote statistics. I'm not going to quote... Um, numbers of fatalities. I'm not going to talk about vaccines. I'm simply going to talk about God's word and what it says. And if we will take a careful look at it this morning, we will see it does not pull any punches. It's not democratic. It's not republican. It is God's word, and he does have things to say. And so my prayer is that we would tune out our immediate reactions and overreactions and truly listen to what God's word says and that we would be his obedient children in that process and that's going to be my prayer and um, that we would walk through this not solving the problems of the world but feeling like we really understand what God is asking of us and knowing that we're going to walk through that together So let's pray, and then we're going to jump into Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. God, we love you. You are absolutely amazing. And I have to confess that this is hard. But I also must confess, you are doing things around the world that are blowing my mind. You're reaching and speaking to people in ways that are just amazing. Amazing. You're always at work. No virus and no government can shut you down. I pray that we would have hearts that want to listen, obey, and praise you, that want to model what your son Jesus did. Uh, We're so grateful that we can open your word this morning and walk through it. We pray your word through the Spirit would uh, correct our minds, correct our hearts, and give us an eagerness to represent you the way we're called to. Uh, And we pray for your words, not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when we get to Romans 13, I think it's very important that we realize when Paul says in 13.1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed and those who resist it will incur judgment. I mean, I could drop the mic and walk away right there, because that's pretty clear. But I think you should be fascinated, as I was fascinated, to see there is a rich context in this. You have a Roman-ruled society. You have uh, dictators, right? You have leaders in the Roman Empire that have been harsh. To standards that we cannot even begin to fathom. And so when Paul writes these words, he writes them in a time where you would read this and just say, How is that possible? Just to give you a little bit of context. You know, this is right around the transition from Claudius to Domitian as the ruler in Rome. Claudius had kicked out all. Of the Jews and the Christians in Rome because they were fighting and creating chaos. And if you remember, one of the core tenets of Rome is peace. They do not like this conflict. And so they literally get kicked out. So imagine you're living in California and you're being told by your governing authority if you're a Christian, you need to leave. And we find ourselves going to Nebraska and Kansas because we're Christians. Imagine going through that and then receiving a letter that says, be subject to the governing authorities because they are an authority from God. And when God has appointed them and you have resisted them, you will incur judgment. That is a harsh thing. When you think of Nero and Domitian, two of the most angry emperors there ever were, they would literally light Christians on fire and hang them up in the air, suspended so that they would act as lamps for people to see. And yet they're being told to obey the governing authorities. So I can't help but think that what's being asked of the people in the passage far outweighs what is being asked of us. And that is the beauty of God's word. It never asks something of us that Christ himself had not gone through, modeled, and done correctly. He sets the standard in a way for us to see And we need to look no further than the cross. That an innocent Savior, punished and crucified, takes the injustice, and out of that injustice, provides salvation to sinners who don't deserve to be saved. That is magnificent that we have Jesus to look at. So, we're going to hop now. That's kind of my introduction after the introduction. And we're going to look at three points about God's authority. That God's authority has a purpose. God's authority is for our good. And God's authority is perfect. Now, I intentionally kept the G, not a P, so that we didn't get too old school, three-point alliteration Baptist on it. Okay? So we got a little bit of change in there. I know we didn't go with the three Ps, but the first one, God's authority has purpose. God does not do this for no reason. God allows the injustice. God brings up people uh, and appoints them and allows them to execute their wickedness for his glory. And if we look throughout the Bible, uh, it's not based on if they're smart, it's not based on if they have good character. A lot of the times, the rulers were just by bloodline, they're monarchies, it's the DNA. And you have children all the way up to old, elderly people as leaders. There's no rhyme or reason other than God is doing something unique in that time. We have to first, I mean, look in the context of Romans as it reaches back and tells about how God used Pharaoh. And think of, think of Israel, not even a nation. You have them being slaves They're having injustice done to them. And God uses Pharaoh's hardness of heart to instill a trust in the people that he's with them. He is their God. He is keeping his promise that he gave to Abraham that he will make a great nation that will bless the world. God uses that. And miracle after miracle after miracle shows them that he is greater than Pharaoh and he is to be praised and no other God is to be praised and he is the one true God. Then Israel gets to leave Pharaoh and what do they do? They grumble. So what do we know about people? That the leader has nothing to do with it. No matter what, sinners will not be happy with the people who are over them. We have a sin problem. We don't like to be told what to do. We have a rebellious issue. And God uses submitting relationships with the purpose of preparing us to trust him. Let me say that again. God uses submitting relationships to train us and prepare us to trust him. Think of this logically. If we have a hard time obeying our parents with vegetables and bedtimes, How will we submit and listen to Jesus when He says, Pick up your cross and follow me? Die to yourself and follow me. When He holds us to live a life as He has lived, think of a marriage relationship, think of a work relationship, then think of a government relationship. We have to submit in these various ways. But this submitting relationship has a purpose. It trains us to submit to God the Father. It also shows us that we trust God so much that he can put imperfect people in positions of power to guide us. That says a lot about the God we love. If we say, I'm not going to fret, freak out, or be angry about my government situation, because God is so good, he can lead me through this for my good and his glory. I just don't see it now. It says a lot about how much we love God that we'll submit to him by submitting to the authorities above us when it doesn't benefit us. This is huge. The hard part is we don't always see the purpose We don't always see it because we're wrapped up in emotion. And I'm going to be honest, this is a very emotional time. You have people who are being affected by the disease. You have people who are not infected and not affected by the disease, but they're still struggling because of being at home. They're getting depressed. They're being put in a violent home. They're having economic loss. And it's very hard to see what is God doing. This is why James 5.11 says, Behold, we consider those blessed to remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He is telling a new generation of Christians, you get the blessing of seeing the purpose of God, because hindsight is twenty twenty. You can see the story of Job, that God was compassionate, that God was merciful. But when we read the book of Job, we know that Job doesn't always see the mercy and compassion that God is having in that very moment. And so God says, I've given you my word so that you can look back. In these moments of chaos and turmoil and tragedy and death, disease and loss. And you can see my compassion. You can see my mercy. You can trust me. Part of the purpose of listening to the governing authorities is to teach the future generation how to trust God in the deepest, hardest of times. When it challenges our perceived freedoms and our perceived entitlements that we say we trust God so much that he could work through this person who is in a position of power over me. God is that good, that powerful, that sovereign, and he is all-knowing. He knows the beginning to the end. He knows how this will affect things for generations and generations and generations. This is reminiscent of the disciples mourning that Jesus was going to the cross. They are lost. They are blinded by their inability to comprehend how Jesus dying could be a good thing. And then as he is resurrected, light bulb, this was actually a good thing. God made a way for sinners to be with him through his Son. This is the greatest thing ever. But in the moment, it was confusing. So God's word gives us the ability to look back and see the purposes of the Lord. So this is why when we get to Romans 12, 1 through 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. See, God's purpose is that in this suffering, we would be in the world to show the world that God is bigger than the world. This is why we can't hide And this is also why we can't act like the world. God says, I have placed you in the world to be a light, to show that I am the one true God, that I've made a way for people to be with me through my son Jesus. And so it is the Christians who are in the world being renewed by God, not fearing the things that are being taken away from us by the government, because ultimately, We see that God throughout history has put crazy people in positions of power and done things that no one understood or saw till generations and years later. God is that good. That he works what man means for evil for the good of his people. God works within this terribleness. This is also why we see in John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the deepest part of God's authoritative purpose, is that he's already overcome the world. That's why we don't need to fret about the government. We are acting like defeated people when the victory's already been won. When you read John 16, 33, it says that Jesus has overcome the world. What does that mean? It means that he has declared victory. This Greek word is related to the word Nike, the goddess of victory and triumph. It's also in the present indicative active tense, which means it's an ongoing, continuous action that never ends. It means that he is always triumphant, always triumphant. And that is why we can have peace in the midst of tribulation because victory has already been declared. And when we fret and have anger and bitterness, We act as if the victory was lost. The battle was not won, and Christ did not defeat the enemy. He says, I have overcome that you might have peace in the world forever and ever and ever. It is the same, if you go to my Instagram, you can watch this, it's a true story. My daughter um, is starting to take an affection, an affinity for sports, which I miss deeply right now. And we were watching an old game, but she's not old enough to know it was an old game. So she walks in, USC's in the Rose Bowl, they're losing, they're down by 14 in the third quarter, and she is all of a sudden sad and depressed. And she goes, my teacher is a Utah fan, and when she finds out that USC lost, she's gonna make fun of me. Well, I know it's already been won. So I'm calm and collective. Don't lose heart, it'll work out. Stay faithful. She goes and she paints her face, she puts on her hat, and she cheers and cheers. And she's overwhelmed with excitement when she realizes the victory is won. And she's kind of like, Dad, aren't you excited? And I'm like, Yeah, but I knew the whole time the victory was won. See, I didn't have to fret. But I had a lot of fun watching her uh, oh, ooh, ah, eh, clubbing her eyes because she didn't know. See, when the victory is won, we can be at peace. And that's why God's authority has purpose, to show the world that we are at peace. God's authority is good. This is very important. It is for our good. You're going to take some supplemental passages and weave this in. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 16 says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. See, it's not about us. It says for the Lord's sake and it says to every human institution. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors, California has a governor. Governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good for this will for this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people live as people who are free not using your freedom as a cover up for evil but living as servants of God do you see this for it is the will of God that by doing good because it's for our good, right? You should put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people because the world is always watching Christians. Read through the book of Acts. Every time the Christians do something, they go to the officials and they say, look at what the Christians are doing. This is why they should not be allowed here. Look at all the times the Jews filed complaints against the Christians. To the authorities. See, they're breaking the Roman rules. You need to disband them. You need to stop them. He's saying, when we disobey the governing authorities, it gives the foolish, ignorant people a leg to stand on and say, see, those Christians think they're untouchable. Those Christians think the rules don't apply to them. And he's saying, no, verse 16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God, saying, hey, we'll take your rules, we'll pay your taxes, because we have the Father. We have the Savior. The victory is won. Take the money. Take the freedom. You will never take my salvation. Live as a servant. Live as a As a free servant in the kingdom of God. Visiting the world. Citizen of heaven. Visiting the world. We can take these governmental decisions. Because we know who God is. We know what God has done. But also, it has some other benefits to our good. As you keep on reading Verse 3, chapter 13. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. What you have no fear of the one who is in authority, then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. You say, that doesn't make any sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. That God puts these people in a position of power to somewhat try to put a, a protection around the extremities of evil. That when murder happens, there's a punishment. That when injustice that is even too uh, evil to speak from this pulpit happens, there's a place for those people to go. He says, I've put them there so y'all don't kill each other, even though some countries Try. He says I've put rulers in a position to protect you, to encourage good behavior by rewarding good behavior. Because really all good behavior comes from God's word, from God's standard. And it really acts as an affirmation that God's way is the best way, the right way, and the only way. You take what are acts of good, you take good leadership principles, they're all rooted in the Word of God. People just don't give them credit. He said, I've put these people in a position to help you be safe. Part of that is that we could keep preaching the word. We could keep being in the world, testifying to God. First Peter also says this we have been called to suffer because Christ suffered leaving us an example that we might follow. The greatest thing we could do is be like Jesus. And what does Jesus do? As he is being whipped, beaten, mocked, and spit on. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What a powerful statement. And one of the greatest injustices the world will ever know. He doesn't try to change the authorities. He submits to being guilty when he is innocent because God is doing something greater. And that greater is for our good. And tr- going through the process of submitting to the governing authorities is really about us saying we trust God. God's authority is for our good. This has also worked, I would say, uh, in a way that's allowed Christianity to prevail in America, but because we have so many protections and so many liberties, Christianity in America, dare I say, has gotten stagnant stale lacks a sense of urgency because we're not forced to choose life or death in our government we're not forced to choose worship this uh, government official or die we're not forced to make those decisions so we then lack an urgency but look what happens in the midst of this virus all the sudden urgency is being applied Because people are legitimately asking the question, what happens if I die? What happens if this virus gets me? And we have to speak of the things that God is doing. Do you realize the pastors I talk to are saying more people are hearing the gospel than ever from our church? I communicate with our pastors around the globe. Pastor Wilfred in Uganda wrote me an email saying that they're not allowed to drive he's not allowed to be outside past seven o'clock or he's fined and potentially put in jail and he still says we are reaching more people for the gospel than we have ever done because we are recording the sermon playing it in a pa system and the community is able to listen to it because they're not allowed to do anything else Hearing the word of God. Hearing the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Because literally the world has stopped and they have the ability to listen to his word. We have to speak of the good things that God is doing during this time. And those good things are coming from governments that are doing things that we don't like. God is working things for our good. Even if we can't see it now. Biblically, we know generations will see it later. We have to know that God's authority is for our good. And yet, we have people that are depressed, lost, confused, sad, scared. And those are real emotions. And we don't want to diminish those emotions We want to take the full breadth of those emotions and say, God, help me trust you in light of these feelings. God, I do not know where my next meal is coming from. May I run to you and not run in anger to the authorities. May people see me as a person who is suffering, that still submits, has an posture of prayer towards the government and and if you're if you're hurting don't take it out online talk to us let us pray with you let us walk with you let us galatians 5 6 bear one another's burdens this is when the church has the ability to shine as a light saying though the government will restrict you. We still love you. We're with you. We're walking with you. You're not forgotten. You matter. God has things for you to do still in the midst of this. But if we get so fixated on the freedoms that we hold dear, if we get fixated on the things that are being withheld from us, we miss the good things that God is doing, and therefore we miss the ability to praise Him in the midst of those good things. I've been able to praise God in ways I didn't think were possible when this happens because I'm able to read from my friends around the world what God is doing, and it's blowing my mind that God is working through such extreme circumstances that He has gotten the whole world's attention Now, I'm not saying that I like what's going on, but I am saying I have to confess that God is big enough to do something good during this time, and he's good enough, big enough, and sovereign enough to do it with evil elected officials around the globe. We are not the only Christians being asked to submit to our authorities. You have to think of the other countries that are harsher and more strict, anti-Christian than America is. What God is asking of them, we need to be praying for them. We need to be thankful that we're not at that extreme level. We're not being asked to worship a false god. We're not being asked to not talk about Jesus. We're not being told we can't pray. We're not being told we can't preach. We can't gather. But no one's stopping the word of God from going out in a way that we've never seen before. We have to acknowledge the goodness. We have to acknowledge that God is able. I mean, even think of this. It's just, I don't have a lot of time to walk through this, and I don't want to make this a sermon about abortion But you look at a lot of states have ruled that as a non-essential activity. And the abortion rate is actually dropping. Who would have thought of that? Why do I bring that up? Because it just gives you a small ounce of proof, evidence that God's authority is for our good even when it's worked through governments we don't like, and it's worked through governments that don't agree with what we think we need. And remember, we're not the only Christians who have been asked to trust God in this way. Christians historically have had corrupt, evil governments. And hindsight is always twenty twenty. Why do they say that? Again, what I said earlier, it's really hard to see the exact designed purpose of God when you're in the midst of chaos. Think of what happened in Germany as Hitler rises to power. And a lot of the predominant Christian thinking was Romans 13, we need to let the government be. They kind of developed this two kingdom theology ideas, completely separating them and saying, we need to be supportive. And they're so supportive, they don't say a thing while millions of Jews are murdered. But when you think about being in that moment, that had to be so hard to make those kind of choices. And then you read stories of Diedrich Bonhoeffer saying, we cannot let this stand. Diedrich Bonhoeffer is offered an opportunity to come to America to be freed of what's going on. And he comes. He stays for a month and he says, I have to get back to Germany. If Christianity is to stand, I have to be a part of the suffering so that when it's over, we can move forward as Christians. See, that's a man that went back to the corrupt government to defy it and fight it so that Christianity could stand and it's easy to look back and say wow praise God for men like that who fought but at the same time we don't want to condemn the guys who were honestly trying so what, why am I saying that we might not see the good now is my point but God's word is clear future generations will have the ability to see it and how we react now will set the tone for how they view this the narrative will either be God can work through corruption or only listen to God's word until it takes something you don't like. Then you scream, cry, and act childish until you get your way. Our behavior is teaching the next generation how big God is and to what depth do we trust him. That's why God's authority is perfect. He always knows what's going on. He's never caught off guard. He never envisions a ruler one way. And then all of a sudden, they take a a wrong turn, and he's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know they were going to do that. I would have never let them be in charge if I knew that. No, God knows everything. And he's saying, yeah, this is evil, but I'm going to work this. You just don't know it. Do we trust him because his authority is perfect? Now, does that mean there is never a time, that there is never a time to disobey the government? Because as we progress on in our verse, uh, in, our, in our passage here, we have to look at verse 4. It says, For he is God's servant for your good. We just talked about that. Now we're saying it's for his perfect. For if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, the avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. And then when he gets into... Because of this, you pay taxes, the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed, taxes whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue, revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Now, how do you take that in light of some of these extreme situations? Are we now saying that no matter what, we have to listen to the government? Well, no, because it starts off with the passage that God is the highest authority and that he's allowed these other authorities to be in place. He is using them for his own good. But we also see in the Bible that there is a line that they don't cross. When we see in Daniel, they defy King Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Because they're asked to worship him as God. And they say no. The beauty of that is that they say, if we die, our God is supreme. If we live, our God is supreme. Either way, we're not worshiping your God and we're willing to die for it. They were being asked to break the commandment of worship no other gods. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. We do not follow the government into sin and idolatry. We do not follow the government when they say we're not allowed to speak the name of Jesus. When we get into Acts 4, and they're like, oh, but they went against the government. It was because they were being told to not speak the name of Jesus. That's where the Christian has to say, I don't care where I am, where I go, I will always declare Jesus is Lord and Savior in my life. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what the government does. Jesus is Lord. That is a far cry from stay inside. You cannot take the command to stay inside and say it is the exact same thing as worship a false God. You can't. And the Bible's very clear. Pay honor. Pay respect. Don't give more ammo to ignorant, foolish people. Show the world you can submit within their system, but still love your God. Still trust your God. We are not conditional lovers. Our submitting relationships reveal how much we're willing to submit to God himself. These submitting relationships help us submit to God when he says to love him with all our heart, to put nothing above him, to be pure, to forgive one another. These are deep, hard commands. And he raises us in environments that require us to submit, to die to ourselves and listen to an authority. So that as Christians, it becomes a part of our natural behavior. We're not afraid to submit because we know who ultimately is in charge. But we draw the line we will not worship a false God. We will not be silent about Christ crucified. That's where we draw the line. That's why his authority is perfect. Martin Luther alludes to this. Again, I'm trying to bring a historical context in in multiple ways. One, submitting to governing authorities is not new to the Bible. Two, it is not unique to now Christians throughout history have been asked to submit to evil governments because they ultimately trust God more than the freedoms and actions that are being taken against them. Martin Luther's commentary on Romans 13, because the sword is most beneficial and necessary for the whole world in order to preserve peace and punish sin and restrain the wicked... The Christian submits most willingly to the rule of the sword. Pay his taxes. The weight of these words in the corruption that Martin Luther lived in. He didn't just have a democracy. He had a theocracy. He had all kinds of things. And he's saying these are necessary entities that God has put in place pay the taxes honor those in authority serve help and do all he can do to assist the governing authority that it may continue to function and be held in honor and fear although he has no need of these things for himself to them to him they are not essential nevertheless he concerns himself about what is serviceable and of benefit to others as paul teaches in ephesians 5 21 through 6 9 what is he saying that the christians can submit to the governing authorities because they don't need the protection because if they die they go to heaven this is why paul says to live is christ and to die is gain If I die, I go to heaven. Awesome. If I live, I live for him. Awesome. If I live, I live for your benefit to help your faith. That's why he's saying the rules don't really need to be there for our safety because we go to heaven and no government policy will change our faith. Therefore, we'll serve, we'll obey so that we have the opportunity to help other people know who Christ is. God's authority is perfect. He uses these mediums. He uses these things to allow us to suffer, to show that there is no limit to our faith and trust in Him as Father. Even in a corrupt government, we trust God, we will listen unless they tell us to worship another God, unless they tell us to sin, unless they tell us to be silent about Jesus. Saying that we are so secure in our relationship with God, we can focus on other people. Beautiful words from Martin Luther in a time that, in my opinion, was far harder to navigate than now. So, keep in mind, we're not being asked to not worship. We're not being asked to not preach. We're not being asked to stop talking about Jesus. We're not being, uh, they're not stopping us from reaching more people for Jesus. They're actually, the, the, the craziness of all of this is that we're actually given a platform to say even though the government is doing things we don't like, even though there's a sickness we don't like, we still praise him. That's to our good because his authority is perfect. And keep in mind, I'm not saying if you don't like what's going on that you can't say anything about it. Paul in Acts doesn't cry every time his liberties are taken away from him but there are times when he says i would like to speak to the man in charge i am a roman citizen why have i not been afforded these liberties and these freedoms as a roman citizen notice he's working within the system to further the gospel And if he gets put in prison for it, he goes, great! I have a new audience for Jesus. This is amazing. Read Philippians. It's a prison epistle. He's like, more people are coming to know Jesus. He wasn't afraid to work within the system, and he wasn't afraid to be limited by the system because he still could preach Jesus. He saw creative opportunities to share of the goodness of god imagine a man beaten mocked and in prison looking at another prisoner going man life's good it's like what oh you don't know jesus then do you yeah if i die i'm going to heaven you're gonna rot here and that's really sad you should probably know jesus and he's like yeah i want to know jesus what else am i going to do in prison tell me about this guy He uses creative opportunities within the system with the right attitude for the glory of God, representing God well as a citizen of heaven, not a citizen of earth. God's authority is perfect. This is why we do not need to be angry, we do not need to be fretting, we need to be trusting God, praying for our government officials. And if we're going to go and disagree, do it within the system. There's petitions you can sign. There's letters you can write. There's conversations and phone calls and emails you can have with all due respect. To be really honest, do any of us really want to be the president right now or the governor? Can we even comprehend or fathom the pressure and the pulls that are being pushed around on them to make decisions about life or death, how they will be remembered, how people will view them as the cause of their loved ones, economic death or physical death? These people do not need to be yelled at, mocked, and demeaned. They need to be prayed for. We don't need to agree with them. Not at all. We need to pray for them. We need to pray that they would fall on their face and seek God because they realize they are dealing with things that are too far for them to comprehend with their earthly minds. That they would finally turn an eye and an ear towards Jesus and say, I can't do this. That God would bring people to himself through the overwhelming reality that man does not know everything and man cannot fix everything and that man is incomplete without God. These are the things God does in tragedy to draw people to himself. And as Christians, we are to obey. And lastly, in conclusion, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Why is that so important? Because you cannot love your neighbor if you're so bent on what's being taken away from you that you can't love, you can't be of any godly help because you're full of rage anger, and hate towards a government that God has called you to be in submission to. Not because they're great and not because they're right, because it reflects how you trust him. I'm going to end with this quote. It comes from Francis Schaeffer. He says, the Christian culture does not believe that Jesus is Lord of all of life. The evangelical culture believes the non-biblical idea that Jesus is only Lord of Bible study, prayer, and church attendance. And anything outside of that is not really spiritual. Let those words float in your mind. It says that Christians believe that Jesus is the Lord of Bible study, prayer, and church attendance. But not anything outside of that. He is also the Lord of all things, including institutions and governments. And we need to trust him and love him, that God's authority has a purpose, it's for our good, and it's perfect. May we be a church that responds biblically, that responds faithfully, that we love God more than anything, that we're not above submitting to authorities we don't agree with and we don't like. But we trust God so much that we will do what we're told. But we will never bend the knee to anyone other than Christ alone. And we will never stop preaching of his goodness, faithfulness, and salvation. That is the line we must draw. As you move on in your week, it's gonna be my prayer that God would work on our hearts to have the right attitude, that we would take Romans 13, 1 Peter, we would take Timothy, we would take these books and we would see God calls us to trust him, that he has a purpose, that purpose is gonna be for our good and it's gonna be perfect, even if we can't see it. May these words of scripture calm your heart, encourage your heart and challenge your heart to love him in ways you've never had to before. That is to our good and his glory. Let us pray. God, we love you and we praise you. You are the Lord of all things. And we are to not separate the things out that we will let you be Lord of. We are called to trust you in any and all circumstances. We are citizens of heaven. You have declared victory over the world. May we not live as defeated people. God, I pray we would live victoriously, unashamed of the gospel, proud to bear your name as a child. I pray you would encourage us, unite us, and convict us to trust you in all things, because you are Lord over all things. You are good, you are perfect, and you always have purpose. Pray we would praise you now in a time of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
4: Jesus lifted high. I wanna see Jesus lifted high. Yes, I do. I wanna see Jesus. Lifted This is our benediction. Romans 12, 9-13 Love must be honest and true. Hate what is evil. Hold on to what is good. Love one another deeply. Honor others more than yourselves. Stay excited about your faith when you serve the Lord. When you hope, be joyful. When you suffer, be patient. When you pray be faithful, share with the Lord's people who are in need.